Hey guys, welcome back to South of Fine. I, as usual, am your host, Reese Lau. So all of our regular listeners know that our goal at South of Fine is to change the stigma around mental health care. One of the best ways that we can do this is by inviting more people to the conversation, like you guys. So if you want to help our podcast get seen by more people, we really, really hope that you'll subscribe to South of Fine. Then you can rate us and share our episodes with your friends and family. We'd love that. And while we're on the topic of family, we have a really cool episode today. Um, it's about moms and mental health. And to prep for this episode, our team reached out to all the moms in our lives, young moms, first-time moms, moms of multiple kids, all sorts of moms. We wanted to find out the questions that they would ask a mental health care provider. Here's what we found out. How you doing? You okay? How's it going? How you feeling today? Welcome to South of Fine, a podcast from Right Track Medical Group dedicated to destigmatizing mental health in the South through genuine conversation about the challenges that we all face every day. For more information, please visit our website, righttrackmedical.com backslash South of Fine. While we hope you enjoy listening to our podcast, please remember that this is not a substitute for professional diagnosis or for the treatment of any mental health condition. Okay, guys, so... I mentioned that uh, we have a few questions from uh, real moms, and today we're just going to go through some of those questions with our guest, Carrie Golston. Is that how you pronounce it, Carrie? Yes, that's right. Okay, great. Um, she's a psychiatric nurse practitioner at the at Right Track Medical Group's uh, Madison Clinic. Carrie, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Carrie, you are a mother, and you have... How many children? Several children? I actually have four children. Whoa. Is that enough? <laughs> That's how many I have. <laughs> so tell yeah, so can, I actually have I have two bonus kids. I have a nine year old son and a five year old daughter. And they're my bonus kids. And then I have um, an eight year old son and a two year old son. Oh cool. Wow. You guys are spread out. We are, but we love it. Is so I read bonus kid earlier today and someone that's that's like you join forces with a kid. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we we try to deter from step because the kids get their feelings hurt when we say that. They say that step means not real. And so we've adopted the terminology bonus kid. Love it. Love bonus it. mom. <laughs> bonus mom, yeah. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um so let's, we're going to get started with this submitted questions. The first question I think is relevant at times, but perhaps even more so uh, over the last year uh, uh, per COVID. And what can moms do when they feel overwhelmed? <laughs> this is a very good question. What can moms do when they feel overwhelmed and like they have uh, just no more to give to their kids, to their spouses, to themselves, to their jobs? What can they do? Well, so, you know, this is especially, um, it was especially rough for mothers during COVID because we've always been the superheroes, but now we're also, um, you know, the housekeepers, the teachers, we're doing school, we're, we're the nanny, we're everything. And so what I found to be helpful is to just be honest about it 
you know, as moms, we have so many different roles, and and we kind of take pride in the fact that we can do it all and do it ourselves. And what I have found best is if I'm honest about that and I say to the older kids, you know, guys, mom's really tired right now. Do you think you could, um, you know, play by yourself or do this assignment while I, while I sit in the bedroom for a minute? And then with younger kids, I found, you know, don't be afraid to ask grandparents, to ask friends. Just kind of talking about it takes some of that power away. You know, it's so, so common for all of us to feel that way. That's great. Uh, and once again, you know, that issue of communication comes up and we always forget to ask for help. And it's so, so important, especially for uh, moms. Y'all, because y'all are, y- y'all are super women. You can do everything, but it gets overwhelming. They are. There's no denying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So on a related note, uh, next question is, it is very diff- extra difficult for moms today who see the perfect life of social media bloggers. Wow, this is this is good. Perfect hair, makeup, clean, decorated houses. The emphasis on clean, um, fabulous meals for supper, and that whole Instagram life. Um, and it's easy for all of us. Uh, but especially moms to lose touch with reality and feel as though you're a failure at anything you attempt. So how can we manage this and realize that our best foot forward is good enough? Okay. Well, you guys, Instagram and Facebook and all that is phony. We show the best parts of our life and we put it on social media. And so I found that I have to stop comparing, you know, what happens is someone on Instagram shows the one clean room or the one meal of the week that they do fabulously. Meanwhile, if you pan the rest of the house, it's messy and unorganized just like the rest of us. And so I've really tried to limit my social media to, um, I guess you would say influencers that I feel are real. You know, that shows the good and the bad. Um, If I only follow people who are not keeping it real, as they say, I will drive myself mad, you know. Um, And I think the fact that we are even cognizant um, enough to realize that, it means that we are good enough, you know. Um, Our homes are full of love, right? I might have... Um, you know, oh my gosh, y'all, I have Legos from one end of the house to the other. But you know what that means? That means that I have a little boy who's the love of my life, you know? So it's okay. Instead of looking at those things like, oh my gosh, I'm not perfect, you know, look at it as it is just what it's supposed to be. You know, this is one of the best times in my life, right? That's right. That's right. That's great advice. You know, the, the cup half full issue. You know, we forget that as parents. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, being a savvy, I I like that you mentioned being a savvy audience. Um, We have enough information these days to look through the, I guess I can say this on a podcast, BS of an influencer. Um, And and there's a lot. I mean, in reality, TV should have taught us that, you know, I mean, even home makeover shows where they do like the parts of parts of the house and then. There's the other half of the house they don't show on TV that's not even fixed up. 
Um, of so, course. Yeah, it's all production. Um, it is. I mean, that's how a lot of the influencers make their money. You know, they have to have this one perfect room and this one perfect outfit and this one perfect meal. And meanwhile, they're trying to push Home Chef and, you know, right. all the things that they got in order to make that perfect situation. And they're working just as hard as anybody else. So they, they're like having a struggle to manage their own homes, <laughs> even yeah, though their work's not showing. That kind of pressure. I know. Yes. Um, okay. So let's see this third question, this question. Um, oh yeah. This one, a lot of parents will have. So how do I know if my approach to discipline and whether I'm being too harsh or too lenient is setting them up for future therapy? Which therapy's good, so I don't know. That. Well, first off, yes, first off, congratulations, <laughs> because therapy is an amazing thing. Um, you know, it's not a setup. You know, you're not going to, you know, screw your kid up and have to send them to therapy. I think that, you know, we all question our parenting styles at one time or another, and usually most of my mistakes that I have made as a parent, I see come alive through my children, and I can correct it before their eyes. But no matter what we do, we can't parent perfectly. Our kids aren't going to act perfectly and be perfectly. And I think that therapy is just an added bonus. I think anyone would benefit from therapy. I, I, I completely agree. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I would have agreed with that when I started hosting this podcast. But now having seen it change lives of people who just, you know, have as same amount of problems that I have, um, it's, it's such a great thing to incorporate into your life. It's only going to make you healthier. It is. Absolutely. I mean, the, the majority of my um, plans with my patients involve therapy because mm. it's just, it's so beneficial. Absolutely. So let's see, what is this question? Huh. Okay. Um, how honest should I be with my young children when discussing family drama? For example, over the last year, I would say some of the adults weren't always playing nice and each because we didn't agree on how, how we should approach health and safety at the height of the COVID pandemic and quarantine. So how do we play nice? And what do we, what do we, (laughs) what do we expose our children to? Okay. In regard to that. So, first off, in my humble opinion, honesty is always the best policy. Um, what I like to do, especially with the older kids, is we need to be having these talks with them, you know, to show them that, um, you know, families aren't perfect. There's going to be people that, that disagree um, with you. You know, not everyone is going to follow the same guidelines. And they need to see that that's how it is and have that ex- and not have an expectation, you know, of perfection. This is how families are. There's problems within families. Some people disagree. But what's also so important is they need to see that disagreement because they need to see how to resolve it. So I'm very big on if there's, um, you know, a family issue or a problem, we sit the kids down, we talk to them, we involve them in it, and then most importantly, we show them how we overcome it. Mm, great. Absolutely great, um, communicating that with them. I'm very big on that. I believe that kids do what they see, not 
not what we say, right? So they need to see that modeled. They do. Yeah, which is which is okay. You know, our parents were like, uh, "Do as I say, not as I do." I'm like, uh, "That doesn't really make Absolutely. any sense." <laughs> uh, yeah, it's quite literally the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the least healthy, the less healthy version of that. Um, the, <laughs> so, and kind of, you know, this kind of ties this together. Is that why it's so important? Um, for us when we step over the line with anger or even argue with our um, wife or husband uh, in front of our children and do things we shouldn't do, then we sit them down and apologize. And is that kind of what you're talking about? Okay. Absolutely. If I make a mistake, I need to apologize just like any other human. You know, we, we would have the expectation that we would want an apology. It's no different. We need to be able to give that and our kids to see that. You know, I have this conversation with my husband quite frequently because, you know, in his house, they kind of grew up thinking whoever apologized is the weakest link. And so I'm trying to show my children, he's trying to show our children that it's actually the opposite. You know, it's always the bravest one that can come back and apologize. That's really cool. Good deal. Um, and speaking of, uh, anger, you know, with kids, especially the, the younger ones, um, the older ones kind of get it together if more, more than the younger ones, it's the four and the six year old that I have the problem with and anger just kind of erupts sometimes. So how, give us some tools on how to deal with that, to keep it in check. In oh, your opinion. you guys. <laughs> Moms have a hard time with this, you know it? We're, we're with the kids all the time. And, you know, like they say, the days are long, but the years are short, right? So, for me, I know I, we have what's called a timeout in our family. So, if all our emotions are erupting and, and, and we're starting to get angry or we might yell or say something we regret, we regret. We regret, excuse me, <laughs> we have what's called a timeout. So we do a timeout, we go to the other room, we sit for five minutes, and then we come back and we're able to have a conversation, you know? And with little kids, obviously that's not quite as possible, but for me, it's as simple as changing up the scenery, you know? Chances are, if I'm inside with my, with my small children and we're all getting a little cranky and angry... We need to change the scenery, you know, go outside, go walk, you know, at the park. I mean, sometimes I even, um, well, I pretend I'm going to Target for a change of scenery for them, but really, <laughs> Mama just wanted to go to Target. So, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's just quite simply giving yourself five minutes to breathe and, and, and telling yourself, this is okay. Moms get angry. You know, we aren't perfect. This is totally reasonable right absolutely um so let's let's jump let's jump forward in time a bit and let's talk about this is kind of a two-part issue uh question um one person that submitted or one mom that submitted this said she's you know her child is driving i'm my wife and i are about to enter this and you know, you don't know always where they are anymore, and they feel there's a feeling of overwhelming anxiety, especially for a mother. I would, I would imagine. How can they manage that? Mm. Well, um, parents, we have a really great therapist named Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, so that's a good one, you know, and I, and I don't know that I have all the answers for that. You know, I haven't, I haven't gotten to this stage yet, but I remember my mom saying, you know, this is one of the scariest times of her life, right? She, um, you know, it's hard to sleep. You don't really fall into that deep sleep until your child gets home for the night. Mm. Um, I think a lot of that is, um, coming up with maybe a system that works for you is having a new child driving, right? Whether you have a check-in system, um, or, you know, that they come wake you when they get home. And then a lot of it, though, is going to be, um, comes from within. You know, you have to, you have to say to yourself, you know, you can't put a negative thought out in the universe. You know, you have to believe that everything's going to be okay, um, that they're driving with caution. And this is a time when it's going to be a lot of self-reflection for a mother, you know, when you, when you can't control all the situations anymore, right? Your mm-hmm. child is, is um, gaining this freedom with age. And it's, and it's starting to, um, this is kind of the start of preparing us for when our kids leave for college, mm-hmm. right? When we can't be around them and have all the control. And, you know, it keeps us saying we really have to work from within ourselves to allow them to be able to do things like that and trust them, you know? Yeah, right. Like this is the first stage of, both of us learning to trust each other more um, in, in a real landscape, not one that I have my finger on, on your head and I can control. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, and I guess That's it's, right. yeah, yeah. And it's kind of that, like, you know, you've done your work and, you know, trust them to make good decisions. And if they don't, then right. hold them accountable. Um, but yeah, I mean, because otherwise, you know, feeling anxiety about it every time they drive well my gosh they're going to drive every day right and i'm only tormenting myself when i'm that anxious but yeah. this is this is this is the start of a huge process of trust well it gets really freaky when you see them try to park for the first time which i've recently uh <laughs> gone through i forgot about the fact that they have no idea how to park it so that's... absolutely <laughs> i mean i barely do how would i expect them right. to <laughs> i think i'm a great parker but my wife says no I'm always <laughs> cattywampus, if that's a word. Um, yeah. Okay, so and the we other. Manage, don't we? <laughs> that's right. We do. Good point. That's right. <laughs> we're getting through the day, and no one's yelling at us because <laughs> we're too close to their car. <laughs> Sorry to everyone whose car I've parked way too close to. <laughs> I would tell you my mom has these little cards, but it, with the saying, but it wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> Say that for the show notes. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay. So, and uh, this was kind of after the fact that we um, got this kind of late submission, but I haven't experienced this. You haven't experienced this, but um, this mom said, I find that it's really hard to watch my children deal with adulting. Um, I want to take over and help, but of course, I know that that would be worse for them. Is that the other side of the of the letting them drive, letting them go to school, all of a sudden they're adults and we can't control right. them anymore. It's the exact same thing as the process of trust. You know, I have to do everything in my power when they're with me to teach them to be a functioning adult, right, in the real world. And this is the part where, you know, as moms, as parents, we, we have to let go a little bit, you know, and, 
And I think that natural consequences are the best learning tool. You know, I, I've never learned a lesson without a really hard consequence. And um, some people have to do it like that. So just be grounded and solid in the fact that I did a good job while they were here. Um, they're going to do their best in the situation, even if we want to jump in and meddle. You know, it's not, there's no learning in that. Yeah, that's very astute. You know, not meddling is being a good parent. Yeah, great comment. Um, okay, so we had quite a few uh, very similar questions from moms um, who are recent recent empty nesters, um, just kind of on the along the same topic of what we're talking about. Um, this is interesting comment. Uh, one mom said, "When my child, when my children left for college, I felt like I had been unceremoniously fired from my job." My days, oh. my days seemed emptier, and how do I find my next thing? That's tough. That's a tough Dang, statement. I know. Ooh, I just felt that one. You know it. Yeah. Um. Goodness gracious! I remember my mom telling me that um, when I first left to go to college, and I'm an only child, so it was like the hardest season of her life. Um. She didn't know what to do on the weekends because there was no soccer game to attend. Hmm. There wasn't a volleyball tournament. Um, I remember her saying if she even saw a soccer ball, she would tear up, oh you know? Um, and, it, and it's wild because as parents, we go through this entire um, season having our kids at home, and some of our thoughts are, oh my gosh, I just want to be able to do what I want to do today. I don't want to be with the kids. I want a mom day. I just, you know, want to, want to, um, you know, want to do something that, that I'm interested in. And then they leave and we don't want to do anything we're interested in. We just want to be with them, you know? <laughs> yeah, good point. And so, yeah, I think it's about embracing the fact that you've raised a great kid, you know, that that's gone now and it doesn't mean that that relationship has ended because trust and believe I still called my mom on this every day and needed something. Yeah. So you yeah. won't, you won't, you know, you'll, you'll feel the emptiness of course and it, and it won't be the same, but I mean, let's face it, we're not growing up so we're almost 30. So, um, I think it's important that to try and find something that you like. For example, my mom started biking. You know, she got into biking, and that became her new hobby. And so you just have to – and give yourself some grace, too, right? I mean, yeah. 18 years of your life has just walked out the door. Oh my gosh, I mean, just saying it makes me sad, you know? But give yourself some grace in that this new season can be just as great, you know? And you'll slowly start to, to find things that you're interested in, and that will become the new normal. You know, that yeah. will become your new normal. You have to just remember that um, just because they're not there anymore doesn't mean, um, you know, that the happiness is left. You know, there's still tons of life to live. Yeah, it's that relationship just evolves like everything in life. That's exactly right. I mean, I still talk to my mom that much, you know. The relationship has changed because I'm older, but it doesn't mean we're any less close. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Um, so finally, um, this is an odd question, uh, cause we've kind of dealt with it before and 
Uh, I'm going to ask it again because I want to respect the moms that sent these questions in. Um, sure. It's when should I be concerned that my child may need mental health care? Are there signs? And that's a very broad, I know that's very broad because um, there's lots of different well, issues. I have two different answers. One is my nurse practitioner answer and one is my mom answer. And so typically as a nurse practitioner, what I would tell a mom is if there's been a change in behavior that persists for roughly two weeks or longer and there's been a change in the level of the child's functioning, whether that be school, whether that be home, um, then it's probably time to seek help, even if it's just to get a professional's opinion, right? Um, and then my mom answer is, chances are, if you've been concerned or thought about it, moms know so much more than, mm. than uh, trained or untrained, right? Moms know their children. And chances are, mom, if you have thought about it, then I think it would probably be a good idea to come in and see a therapist or a nurse practitioner, even if it's still the one visit, just to, um, you know, put your mind at ease, right? It's just, I think that um, it can never be a bad thing. It's always going to be a good thing to um, be invested in um, good mental health. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I love the uh, both hats there. Um, that makes that's very down to earth and reasonable. Your 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 family's very lucky to have you. Oh well, thank you. You seem to I be able to. That all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Carrie, thank you so much. Uh, thanks, and and for being so um, willing to do this after you know this took. Our audience doesn't know, but this took us two days to get this the tech right, and you stuck with us and took some time out of your very busy schedule um, to be with us. And great, great insight, very down to earth, and um, uh, well worth everyone's time. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really um, enjoy doing it, and I think it's great to um, get this kind of information out. You know, I'm I'm here if you ever need me again. Well, we will. So we're going to hold you to that. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Carrie. Have a good day. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you have questions about mental health in the COVID-19 pandemic that you'd like our providers to answer in a future episode, please email southoffine at righttrackmedical.com. And if you'd like more information about Right Track Medical Group or the South of Fine podcast, please visit righttrackmedical.com. Thanks to our production team, Kelly Huntsberger, Caitlin Clegg, Carol Ann Hughes, Alka Batista, and Reese Lau. Special thanks to Squadcast for providing superior remote interview services.